You're listening to the Best Box Podcast, where we talk about how to build healthy businesses and communities in the digital era. Hosted by tech entrepreneurs Tony Holbrook and Nicole Moore, and produced by photographer and musician Jake Warren, we share insights on how to connect, serve, and grow so you can thrive as a digital entrepreneur. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Best Box Podcast this week. Uh, we have myself and Tony, and we have Donnie back with us again this week. Um, I know if you listened to last week, I ended off kind of excited, like, we have to come back again. And then after the podcast, I'm like, we need to do this right away. So we are we are jumping right <laughs> back in with Donnie. So um, if you missed part one, uh, definitely go back and check that out for a little bit of Donnie's uh, story, how he got into fitness, being um, a general manager for Groundwork Athletics. Um, his success with his team. So definitely go back and check that episode out from last week. So why we're here today. Um, so today we're going to discuss sales. Um, for most people, we know this can kind of feel challenging, uh, not having the confidence to do it, losing out on clients. Uh, we've had you know, conversations about sales with, you know, most and every trainer or gym owner we've talked about. And I know we've heard a lot of common things. I'm sure Donnie will give you a chance to share. Um, you have even more expertise in this space. Um, things from, you know, I don't want to bother a person. Um, you know, we've heard the advice more than once of follow up with the person until they sign up, tell you to F off or they die, which is like, great. Like that <laughs> is basically giving the message of like, keep following up. But like, I'm sure you probably have some things that can be helpful to help that be more successful, hopefully to get less F offs um, and more people <laughs> signing up. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? I yeah. was like, okay, not bad. I get the message behind that. But um, yeah. yeah, so we're going to have Donnie share his experience today with the sales, common mistakes um, he's seen, and then have a good chunk of time to dive into some practical tips and things you can take back to your business um, and your clients today. Uh, with that all being said, we are not going to dive into marketing today. So we're going to kind of talk about what we do when the people have walked the door, they've filled out their lead form, and now we want to take them through the process of becoming a lead to purchasing your high ticket package or any of your packages and becoming a long-term client. So that is our plan today. So um, with all that, um, Johnny, why don't we just kind of jump in, if you can jump in to share your experience in sales, uh, what your journey was like in the beginning and kind of where you are today. Sure. So like most fitness professionals, I didn't really consider sales as being part of the job when I started. Uh, I started at a smaller gym in Nanaimo where I'm from and you know, was taught, we had a decent assessment structure and it was designed in a way where you could be set up to sell a training package based on your assessment, decent little setup, hmm. uh, and was given some training on it, um, and then started working the job and struggled for a long time. Um, and, and so pretty quickly, I became aware that it was important, but I didn't really understand how important or it was or that it really was a, a skill that could be developed. Hmm. Um, I, I basically, I was at a, a membership gym getting assessments and I just wasn't closing very many of them. Um, and I just went through that experience for, it was really, I remember being around the seven or eight month mark where I started to improve and, and mm. not, yeah, so not to get too caught in the weeds, but basically, you know, I, I can dive into that experience, but, mm -hmm. but that first job, like I, I started wanting to be a trainer and, and struggled for a while until I started to pick up steam. 
Uh, should I dive into kind of what happened now on, on that before I jump into the rest of sure. yeah, yeah. my journey? Sure. Yeah, it's helpful to hear. People are yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I'm there."> so, <laughs> well, it, it was funny. So I, I was, like I said, we had we had this this assessment set up where we would come and then we would give people a body age. I think uh, Polar's done a version of that. Basically, mm. it was a series of strength and mobility testing, body fat testing, where you'd effectively give uh, a rating of someone's fitness and where they were at relative to certain people in their age category, and you can give them a fitness age. The point is you could point out where they're at. You could paint a picture of where they wanted to go. Mm. And then we had slides in this presentation, like asking them questions, kind of like an interview style to give people a chance to sign up. It's a decent little skeleton structure, something that could be used today for sure to, to help new trainers sell. And I was given that, shown how to use it, but then I didn't really get much oversight or feedback on how I was actually doing in these assessments. I think I probably got shadowed a couple of times early on. And then I just kind of started going through these assessments and, and struggling to get people signed up because I had a ton of bad habits, but I didn't know what they were. And I also didn't know what I didn't know. It was I was not selling them. And I started thinking, like, do people want this kind of thing? Or, or am I a bad trainer? Th things like that started creeping into my head. And then luckily I had one of my bosses at the time happen to come in the room during one of my pitches. And what he noticed this is something I can expand on later is I was mm. using a lot of approval seeking language. Mm. Um, I was talking to someone and I kept saying, is that okay? Is that okay? Is that okay? Basically after everything I said and I'm trying to get, you know, some level of validation, I think subconsciously on the service, I thought I was trying to make sure they understood and honestly, I'm so glad he heard that because after that, he basically said, like, I don't know if you've heard of this, which I had, um, but I just didn't know I was doing it. It's like this this is the impression this gives. Um, so the point being, my communication was just terrible. That was one of many things I was doing terrible at the time, but that was mm -hmm. one of them. And what I did was open my eyes. I was like, okay, there's something I can I can do better. And because I had actually, you know, learned about communication, this avenue of communication in another avenue. Um, so him opening up my eyes to this was a, was a huge eye opener. So I, I could start applying this, you know, skill set that I learned elsewhere into sales as well. And, and what that was elsewhere, funnily enough, is at the time I was looking into dating and a lot of the same skill sets you use <laughs> when trying to be attractive are what you use when you're trying to sell fitness or anything in that regard. Okay. And so once that those dots were connected, I was like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> it, it was super useful. Um, and so it made it relatable. But the point is I got poignant feedback on what I was doing incorrectly and I was doing something incorrectly. It wasn't a mm. bad product. I wasn't a bad product. It wasn't too expensive or, or any of that bullshit. Um, and then I got to work and then I started to work on just communication. So applying body language, tonality, the words are using that kind of thing to how I was pitching. And then my results started to get better. And mm. so I then, you know, I, I worked at this Nanaimo gym. It was kind of a mom and pop shop where selling was important, but it wasn't a big part of the culture. And, and I thought I was pretty good at it. And then I moved to Vancouver for a job at a, a franchise here where, and once you make the move to Vancouver, it's definitely a bigger sales culture in a, in a good way. And then I started, I worked in a role where I was uh, labeled as fitness manager, where I was doing assessments for new members to try and sell them personal training only. Uh, and not not doing the training. Uh, I did that at that company. And then after that role, I then took on two jobs. One is a part-time trainer at Groundworks where I'm at now. And the other was selling memberships at a membership gym, mm -hmm. um, which was unbelievable. So I worked there for two and a half years and I just got so many reps. So I had like a good foundation on that point on kind of what to do. But 
basically from then it was just like day in day out it was generating the leads first of all and then also trying to close anyone that comes in the door and unlike selling personal training which is mostly what we do at groundworks now uh memberships in my opinion are actually harder to sell because um the motivation is fleeting on the client's part um you Mm -hmm. have you're very incentivized to try and close them when you see them or you won't see them again um and then people tend to haggle a lot more in, in my experience too so uh, and have a lot more objections over simple things. Um, and so it was it was super valuable experience to just get uh, hundreds of reps literally doing that. And by doing that, that with other you know things I was developed, I then got uh, to the point with selling where I was excelling on a, in a personal training, training role at Groundworks to the point where that was one of the reasons why I got promoted to manager, uh, which I think is about five years ago now. Mm. Uh, and so now I'm at the point where uh, I've done hundreds of consults here and I'm also teaching, have taught probably 30 plus trainers how to do a consult and improve their sales skills as well. So that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I can um, imagine just the the experience over the years doing that. And now mm-hmm. you're kind of like train the trainer, like training the trainers in these skills. So I mean, this mm-hmm. kind of adds on to the, all the awesomeness we talked about with, you know, being on your team last week and the things and the and building on those sales skills. So I think kind of what you said, like, here's the assessment, here's like the process of how to do it, go do mm-hmm. it, but not necessarily mm-hmm. that that extra part. And I think that'd be kind of inter- interesting to dig in a little bit later about those habits. And I think you said a good thing is that sometimes we don't know if what we don't know and until mm-hmm. someone like opens our eyes we're like oh there's like a whole other thing that um will help us be more impactful in that so um i think that kind of shared a little bit about where you learned to sell a lot of that sounds like you had some people that stepped in and helped you as well as just reps um so kind of with that um with you being an industry in a, in a variety of gyms and roles um what are some of those common struggles that you've seen with trainers selling fitness what a loaded question yeah <laughs> i think it's so, helpful here people are gonna be like oh yeah i do that i know, that. I know. Oh, dang it yeah this is you get to yeah. let loose donnie tell them i know right this is I'll a safe start, place I'll just, I'll just start talking and to see where we end up well it, it's just several <laughs> things for several several different people right yeah, yeah uh the first thing is just you know not acknowledging its significance and that you need to be good at it um uh, some people realize that too late you can have a decent level of success without it um, but yeah, if you get into fitness, you, well, most things in life, you need to be able to sell yourself. Um, and it doesn't have to be scary. It's a positive thing. It's open stores. Mm-hmm. It allows you to help people in this context. And, um, you need to realize that it's important and a skill that can be cultivated. So that's, that's the first mistake. And then the second mistake is, is the general mindset around it, that it's scary, that it's not a skill that can be developed, um, that, you know, people don't want to spend money, that kind of stuff. And so... Yeah. You know, and that's kind of, that's usually like the starting point when I have like a newer trainer is working on the mindset, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so where, how that'll manifest itself is a lot of times a personal trainer will consider consider personal training very expensive uh, because personal trainers are often, if they're new to the game, they're kind of 22 to 25 in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of 22 to 25 year olds don't necessarily have three, seven thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a month to be spending on their fitness. Uh, but a lot of people do, and a lot of people that's not necessarily a lot of money. And even for the people that it is a lot of money, it's a lot of times worth it and justified. Um, and so what that ends up doing is they end up being scared to ask for what they're worth, uh, scared mm. to even offer the 
correct sale in the first place. And that filters down and, and just kind of disrupts everything. It makes them come across as like they're not confident. They don't believe in themselves, um, which has a snowballing effect if they're not closing people, which makes them feel worse and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's kind of the first part is trying to, you know, you got to change your mindset around it. First of all, it's not scary. Um, for a lot of people buying a gym membership, buying a CrossFit membership, buying a group training membership is not expensive. Um, and if you have enough value, I mean, what expensive really means is you just haven't provided enough value or people don't see the value in it. Mm. Uh, we have tons of people who are, you know, in the neighborhood of, you know, relatively middle-class incomes that will prioritize their fitness and purchase three personal training sessions a week if they see the value. Um, so you know, in around in a very kind of vague, open sense, it's just about kind of helping trainers change their mindset, first of all, on that concept, mm. um, which then I think filters into a, the question's common mistakes, right? So, you know, if, if someone thinks training is expensive or they're scared of selling, uh, one of the simplest mistakes that you can start to work on is how they communicate, specifically their body language, their tonality, and the language they use. So I think a lot of people are aware you need to be confident in order to sell some, something. But in you know, as they say, confidence is earned. You you can't just say, okay, I'm going to be confident now, right? <laughs> you kind of you kind of have to work. You kind of need to get the experience to actually believe in yourself. So what do, what do you do in the meantime? Well, you can take steps to at least portray confidence, um, which kind of speaks to my not to get too lost and all over the place. My my philosophy on sales mm. it's it's not so much about being awesome as it is about not fucking up most people who show up to your door they want to purchase what you're selling it's mm. just about not getting in your own way and if you can get a new trainer or a membership salesperson to at least get out of their own way their success will be pretty good you know they'll be able to get most clients they'll be able to sign up most people who come in your door looking for a membership because if they've actually shown up you just need to get them across the finish line and yeah, so that's most, getting, that's most of the battle, right? Is getting them in the door. They've shown intent exactly. and they want to be there for it. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so really all that needs to happen is they need to like you and they need to think, you know what you're talking about and your offer needs to make sense. It's literally that simple. And, and so circling back to communications, this is something I found very powerful or early on still do and, and preach it to everybody, your communication and how you communicate. If you're not confident, you can at least look confident. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I think I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, there's been research indicating that the majority, vast majority of communication is nonverbal. Um, the primarily, I think it's 60 or 70% comes from your body language. And so if you're not feeling confident and you're not thinking about your body language, there's a good time, good chance you might start doing something like this and being like, hey, do you want to start purchasing my personal training package? For those who are just listening, I just did a, a terrible pantomime of someone with awful body body. Anyway, uh, but the point being, if if you if you're not thinking about it, your subconscious is going to sabotage you. You're gonna slouch. You're gonna fidget. Your eyes are gonna dart everywhere, and then anyone will pick up on that. We don't necessarily know to look for it, but just as human beings, we're wired to understand when that's happening, and you will feel it, even if you can't mm. articulate. You'll leave an art, art an interaction being like that person doesn't believe in themselves, they're not comfortable, or I'm not sure they're a good trainer. So the first thing you need to do is think about what is your body language. Shoulder blades need to be back. You need to look relaxed and comfortable if you're sitting down. If you're sitting next to them, you know, you just, what does a confident person do? It's a good barometer to run it. Mm. You know, they're, they're relaxed, they're comfortable, they're speaking under control, 
They're maintaining eye contact. They're not fidgeting because they've been here before. They've done it before. And so if you haven't been here before and you haven't done it before, this is a way you can look like you have. And so the simplest thing I would say is look relaxed. If you're sitting down, lean back slightly. If you're standing up, shoulder blades are back. Stay still, stay grounded. Don't fidget. Think about what you're doing. Don't look all around with your eyeballs. Pay attention to who you're with. So very simple. And I, and I think the, other, the last thing with body language would be if you're giving a tour, think about the pace of your tour, right? Mm -hmm. You're leading the interaction. So you're walk at a pace that you're comfortable. Don't rush. Don't think I need to show them this. I need to show them that because that's what my boss told me my, my skeleton was. Just be in control of yourself. Have the mm -hmm. conversation. Portray confidence. So does that make sense to you guys? Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I ask how much of that is confidence in the offer that you're selling or or sort of you know believing in the value of the offers that you put out there you, you mentioned that at one point right knowing your offer and speaking confidently yeah. about your offer but it's one thing to be confident about like your 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 skill the other thing is be confident in the package you're ultimately going to ask them to purchase so can you talk about about offers and the importance of that in this whole area yeah so i mean you know Another loaded question. I, I, if you're selling, if you're selling a membership, you, you need to, I mean, do what it takes to understand the value of your membership, uh, and that that in, includes things like you need to understand market value. It's super important, right? You might think uh, our membership, which is 250 months, is is really expensive. I couldn't afford it, but if everybody yeah. else in your industry is charging 350, then that's a flawed mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So you do your market research, understand what is the market charge, what do we charge, and how does our product compare, in my opinion, relative to those. And if yours is better and you're charging the same price, it should be pretty easy to be confident in what you're selling, right? And if it comes to selling personal training, um, your offer is yourself. And same thing, market value pricing. But if you, if you believe in yourself and your ability to train, then it should be pretty logical to simply believe in, in what you're offering, as long as, as, long as your, your rates are, are within reason. I mean, realistically, like if you're a good trainer, you know your stuff, you're willing to go above and beyond. Like when I'm selling someone and I'm selling even for my team members, not just myself, it, I'm thinking they get a deal because they get access to this unbelievable trainer who's got this team and this environment and they're being cult cultivated. And and so, yes, it's extremely important, Tony. And and I think that's kind of what I would, my version of what would go into that. Hmm. Cool. Helpful. Yeah. Okay. Where are we at? Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, is there any other common um, struggles that you want to share or that kind of wrap uh, up? Yeah. It, it, well, I guess and to elaborate further on, on the communication. So body language is a big part of it. Um, tonality and your pace of speaking is part of it as well. Uh, and so and what you're trying to do, once again, is portray confidence. And, and one thing a confident person does is they speak at a rhythm, pace and volume as if they expect peace, people to want to listen to them. Um, um, a bad habit of, of some people who are a little less confident is they may speed up and try and get their words in because they're worried about getting cut off. Um, but that's not how you that's not how you portray confidence with someone, right? Um, and, you know, even if someone does cut you off, like if you're confident and you believe in yourself, you'll wait, you'll let them finish, and then you'll jump back in. It, it's not so important to you that you get your words in because you expect who you're talking to to want to listen to you. So that's kind of logic of why you do it that way. But the point is, you're in control, speaking in a controlled manner. Um, and then, you know, and I guess the other thing with body language too, is if somebody doesn't hear you, don't lean in. That's a, a total approval seeking move as well. Once again, you're staying relaxed, mm. speaking at a volume that's good enough to be heard um, at a pace that makes sense. 
And then on top of that, a little thing is the words you use. And I've had some good coaches in that regard, just, uh, and without diving too far into it, because you can really nitpick language, just make sure you're not accidentally using words that will sabotage your, what you're trying to do. Like using words mm. like expensive, saying the gym is slow right now, saying the gym is really busy right now. Just put a positive spin on it. If the gym's busy, mm. look at how thriving this atmosphere is, right? If mm. the gym happens to be slower at that moment, we have a, you know, this is in a, a private exclusive studio, that kind of thing. Uh, just be cognizant of the words you're using because people will, will read into that stuff and have their own, own interpretations. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, as far as communication, and then I guess the big thing too uh, is you need to listen. And any sales coach will tell you. People are going to tell you how they want to be sold or what they're trying to buy. So you need to listen to what they're telling you. They're going to explicitly mm -hmm. say, here's what I'm looking for. And if you're paying attention, you're going to be able to take that and essentially parrot it back to them and tell them why what you're offering is the solution to what they're looking for. But if you're not listening, if you're not paying attention, you can't do that. So do you take notes during these calls or do you, 100%, is it all? 100%. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would recommend that. So uh, if we're selling personal training, we do a consultation. We have a, an actual, we have an iPad or we have a written version too, where you're taking notes on what people are telling you. And you can literally, if you're smart, use that for taking notes on anything. Uh, if you're selling a membership, it would be good to have a form to use to take notes as well, at least as part of it. Like you could give a tour and then you could sit down with them and that's when you start note taking. Mm. Um, but the point is, yeah, it, you know, if you're, if you're doing consultive selling, they're going yeah. to give you kind of information that you want to use to recommend a service that makes sense for them. And that filters into to your offer question 22, right? Like yeah. if they give you information that helps you make a qualified offer for what they actually need. Yeah. I find some people when they're, when they're having these engagements, they find note taking, it, it can be a little bit, I don't know, impolite, I suppose, because you're taking your focus away from the person. One thing that I've found is actually to communicate back to the people like, Hey, I'm just taking some notes to make sure I get this all down and just sort of like investing them into that process. Because I, I find too, you cover so much in these, in these 30 minute consults that you can't possibly remember every detail. But mm -hmm. if you do actually write them down, the difference it makes when that person leaves and you're like, Hey, I remember that you had this one knee injury. Here's a couple things that I thought of that I was thinking of you afterwards. And it was a note in the first five minutes of the call. Like yeah. those little things stick out. Right. So I just, mm -hmm. I, I like to sort of communicate with people that, Hey, I'm taking notes. This is for your benefit. Kind of just involve them in that process, but take that time to be able to actually like, uh, solidify what they're telling you and memorialize that a little bit and make it important that you're listening to them. Absolutely. hundred percent. And it's a good idea. Yeah. And it can be as simple as I'm going to take some notes on what we're talking about, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, let's kind of dive into how to close them once you have them. So what are some key things needed to be successful at closing? So maybe like right at the beginning. So someone's walked into the gym, they filled out a lead form, they've called, they've just reached out. If you can walk us through kind of like the first steps, um, in success to get them, yeah, so there's a couple sure. basic things right away. Make sure you, you've used your mouthwash, you know, combed your hair or whatever you got to do, especially in my case, I'm bald. Um, <laughs> uh, tidy up the gym, but those basics are important. Uh, you know, have your environment set up so it looks appealing. You know, if you go into a grocery store, when they move all the items to the front of the shelf, facing the shelves, they call it, do the, the mm. version of that in your gym, right? Make sure the kettlebells are organized, the dumbbells are put away. Make sure you're tidy, you look good. Um, and then, you know, if you're able to, if you're not coming straight off appointment, be available and ready for the person at the door and ready to greet them. Mm -hmm. Um, how we do things here is, is, you know, the first step 
because an, an important ingredient in selling, um, I'm sure you guys know this, but is building rapport. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you're doing anything in this interaction, is you need to build a relationship this, with this person, whatever you're selling. You just need this person to like you because if they like you, they're going to be inclined to want to work with you. And they would actually prefer to work with the person they like as opposed to the person with a better product that they don't like. And so the first step is the gym is set up. They come in and greet you. I give all my coaches instruction that they're required to talk to the person first. It's stand there at the front or it's sit down and it's chat with them just about how their day's going, how they found out about us, where are you from originally, to try and set the tone. And because once again, you're, you're basically, you're using this whole experience to try and build rapport. Uh, but then also because they're coming in nervous, anxious, distracted, you as a coach, you're going to be nervous, anxious, distracted. This is also a way to get you both on the same wavelength, right? Because mm. it, it's pretty common for people to come up to come into a gym and be terrified, to be you know intimidated, especially a gym like ours or even yours, right? If it's CrossFit gym, like even if they're into that, to see you know if they come in and that just happens to be the day that a guy is squatting 400 pounds right next to them and they maybe have limited weight experience, it's not something that's going to be necessarily awesome to everybody. Um, and so by you greeting them with a smile, letting them, you know, letting them know that it's going to be okay. Like we're, we're nice people here. You're in the right place. That, that's how you want to start. However, your, your sales interaction is going to be. Um, and then once again, you as a coach, if you're nervous, it just gives you a chance to try and calm down, right? Like if you really want the sale, if you really want a new client, if you're just kind of introverted and scared of dealing with new people anyway, it just gives you a chance to kind of settle in and kind of you know, get get into a rhythm with this person. And then what I'd recommend for that is just open any questions, whatever they are. I mean, in, in this context, mm -hmm. you know, good questions. How do you hear about us? Uh, did you find the place okay? Uh, what got you looking in the first place? Ask them questions about their life. Do you work nearby? Do you live nearby? Um, what you got you thinking about starting this? And like I said, where are you from originally? That was told to me at my first training job. It's a great question to ask. It, it just sparks mm. conversation. And then, yeah, so you, you would use that. And uh, sorry, what was, what was the original actual question again? Like, Yeah, basically things to be successful um, kind of right off the bat, which I think yeah. that, that we're kind of diving diving into that. And um, Yeah, because I don't you know, want to be necessarily too specific to my gym if, if that's not really what this is, that's all. Yeah, I think it is It is helpful to hear specifically. I mean, mm -hmm. your gym is doing something that is tried mm -hmm. and true and you have years of these experiences. So I think mm -hmm. hearing, you know, it's helpful to hear kind of like general things, but it's also helpful mm -hmm. to hear like, here's exactly how we do it. Because some people need a little bit of like the here's the ideas. And some people are like, but how does it actually work? <laughs> yeah. how, does it, how do you tangibly do it? And then adjust it. So obviously, every business is different. But I think yeah. Um, in the, when you talked about rapport, I think everybody mm. probably has these stories where I can think personally with a first aid company I used to buy my first aid supplies from, I was choosing to buy the more expensive first aid supplies purely because my rapport and experience and relationship mm. with the company was better. I tried to switch to like a cheaper option and I was like, oh, I don't really like you as a human. Like mm. I'm going to go back and, and pay more. And I think that's something to, um, for everyone to remember just, mm. it is the rapport and relationship and that just the the conversation about life I think it's easy to want to jump like right into the thing versus just mm -hmm. like I, the thing that kind of came to my mind was like help everyone calm their bodies a little bit like you made mm -hmm. it to the door I'm gonna start like making a relationship with you mm -hmm. let's just like calm our bodies get on the same page so I think those those questions are are a good way to kind of st start that um 
initial relationship. So, um, yeah. Um, so if we can kind of explain a little bit more, I think this kind of ties probably right into this is, um, habits. You you mentioned a little bit about the habits that you didn't know that you were doing, you know, Mm -hmm. you just started building that rapport. So if you can explain a little bit more about the habits that a trainer needs to be successful at selling and why, um, those habits are important. Yeah. And, and and I think, um, the the initial things that that come to mind are, are, so I, I addressed on, on looking good, being professional, having your environment, being professional. Um, and I think other things are following through on what you say you're going to do, um, and being punctual, things like that, things we've heard, heard before, but I I guess I sit here in a spot having witnessed people who, who are good at those things and people who aren't so good at things and the, the difference in success that comes for them. Um, including like independent trainers that rent gym space from me. Like you can see the ones that aren't dressed well, that don't communicate effectively, that show up late for their appointments and the impact it has on their business versus the drastic difference it has from the trainers who show up on time, who are professional, who do the things they say they're going to do, uh, and the impact that has. So the, the, the first simplest thing is if you tell someone you're going to email them, email them. If you have an appointment, be early, be prepared, have the workout created. If it's a workout, have your consult prepared, assessment prepared if it's an initial meeting. Um, and I cannot stress this enough. You got to be on time. You got to work hard. And then if you say you're going to follow up, if you say you're going to send someone an email, you say you're going to book someone in, you need to do those things. And then even more if you can, right? If you say, I'm going to reach out to you today and remind you of the appointment we booked on Thursday, and you happen to include an article about you know, knee rehab because they mentioned their knee injury, that's going above and beyond. Those are good habits. Whereas if someone has to reach out to you, hey, didn't you tell me we were going to train at this time on Thursday, I didn't end up hearing for you that that's, that's not helping your cause. And so those, those are kind of the little habits, I would say, as far as like maintaining Mm. a business. Um, But then, yeah, as far as the actual habits of of the consult itself, I feel feel like this whole conversation has kind of been structured around that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. Can, Can I ask you about the energy in those consults? How important is energy? coming to that like you can come to it sleepy tired right obviously that goes into preparedness and that sort of thing but obviously if you don't match the energy or don't bring the energy you're not going to have a positive result generally right so how important is that for your for your team 100 great question and and how i've described this is your energy should be slightly above theirs and that's an important distinction because Mm. there's also such thing as having too much energy right if someone is a little more reserved and a little calmer and you're off the wall um that's not typically a good thing right and you know you do want to be yourself you know you want to stay within your normal range so to speak but at the same point yeah you you don't want to be too high energy in that in that case however that being said the absolute worst case scenario is if you do come in and they can tell you're sleepy low energy you're tired and even worse if you say that shit like that's just you're just gonna screw yourself from the hop right um so even if you feel that way use your body language that use your tonality Cause yeah, you should be more energetic than they are. You should be excited. You should be happy. Cause that's fun. People want to be around positive energy. Right. Um, which I guess speaks to another habit, like assessments in particular, but even personal training sessions or coaching sessions are not the time to complain about your problems. Usually, right. Longer mm-hmm. term you develop relationships and yeah, there's back and forth, but people are coming to you for an experience and that starts right from your assessment or your consultation. So yeah, Tony, you need to have a good energy. They come to someone who feels like a drag who feels low energy, who feels expended. That's not motivating. They're trying to get out of that themselves. They just had a, a fucking long work week and they're like, okay, I need to get my energy back. I need to get back in the gym and this trainer seems more tired than I am. What the hell am I doing here? So yeah, 100%, good point. 
Good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Awesome. Um, okay, cool. I think it'd be helpful, Donnie, if you continue to walk us through um, a successful sales process. So we started with their experience in terms of rapport and building relationships. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, again, if you can walk us through, yeah, a typical positive sales experience. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, and so what we do here is we do consultations primarily. Um, where, mm -hmm. But assess, assessments as an initial meeting are a totally viable way to sell as well. But so you start with um, you know, meeting them at the front, like I said, having a conversation, getting you guys on the same page in terms of you know, rapport and everything like that. Um, and then you follow up with a tour of the facility. And it's usually a transition. Like you probably started to talk about their goals already. And same when I was selling memberships, like, yeah, I want to lose weight or whatever. Um, and you can keep that conversation going if it's flowing, or you can even be like, great, we're going to dive more into that, but I'd like to show you the facility first. And so we show people the actual gym where they're going to be. This also helps them get more familiar with the environment. And then it also gives you more time to just do rapport building, right? So you're showing them around the gym, you know, check out our new paint job. Look at our kettlebells. Have you ever lifted weights before? Also, you were telling me you're from the island. I'm from the island too. That's great. Blah, blah, blah. The point is, you know, you're, you're using this time to build a connection. It was the same thing when I was touring the gym. Uh, so, you know, do you use cardio equipment regularly? Awesome. Do you like free weights? Great. Cool. Uh, what got you into you doing that? Blah, blah, blah. You, you need to use this time to keep building mm -hmm. the relationship while at the same time showcasing the facility, because that adds value to what you're offering. Even if you're renting out someone's space, that is part of what you're selling. Um, and then it also gives you a chance to talk about fitness in general, which helps you sell yourself and the company and the classes, whatever it is as well. After you give a tour, you know, you're adding value, you're building the rapport, you're then sitting down in either context, selling a membership or selling training. And then that's where you really dive into why they're there. You make, you make a couple notes uh, already like, all right, so you did mention you're trying to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. But let's talk about what real, really brought you here today. And that's where they're going to tell you how to sell them. They're going to say, I want to get stronger. I want to lose weight. Uh, you ask all the questions you need to ask, like, what's your schedule like? You know, you need to find out how available they are, how committed they are. Have they worked with the trainer before? Was it a good experience? If it was, they're very likely to do it again. Was it a bad experience? They're going to be able to tell you everything they didn't like so you can let them know they don't have to worry about that here. The point mm -hmm. is you're asking all the questions you need to ask and then fitness-related questions too. How much have you lifted before? Do you have any injuries? What's your experience like? And then you know, getting all the information you need in order to make a succinct, logical recommendation to that person. Uh, and at that point, if you're selling training, it's like, okay, you've just told me what you're trying to work on. I recommend you train with me three times a week and we're going to work on X, Y, and Z. And the same thing if you're selling a membership. Okay, wonderful. You told me you're trying to do this. Uh, we have this style of class, which I think would be perfect for you. You'd absolutely love it in there. And these are the, the membership options that make sense. Um, and then how I break it down for my coaches and when I do it on my consultations is I will ask the questions make a recommendation on general fitness first. And what I mean by that is I'll make a recommendation on how often they should be working out or what they need to do in order to reach their goals before mm. I start getting specifically into how our services match that. You know, and, and some simple examples, it's like if someone wants to lose weight, they need to use the gym for calorie expenditure and they need to work on their diet in order to create a caloric deficit. Um, so they're not going to do that working out one time a week. So I need to get that cleared with them right away. We need you working out three or more times a week at least in order to increase your calorie expenditure and get a good return on your fitness and that kind of thing. The point being, 
you know, get them bought into what your workout plan is. If it's a bodybuilding client, okay, I want to start you on a three-day split and we want you working five, day, five, five days a week and alternating that split starting on week number two. And you, you speak specifically to what the plan is. Get them on board with that plan. I want you coming to three classes a week um, and go to an all-strength class, a core and conditioning class, and then a total body class. Get them on board with what that is, and then they'll either say, sounds awesome, or how much does it cost? And then you segue into what your services are. And because you've asked some questions, made a recommendation that they agree with, it's now really easy to offer a service that makes sense, right? You've just, they've just told you, and you've just made a recommendation, I wanna work out three times a week. Now you just find the service that you have that best fits that option. Um, I like to use the A or B selling option. In other words, mm. simplify it and give them two options. Um, so often if someone wants to train, or I've recommended they train three times per week, I will offer them three times or two times a week, making it clear what the difference is, that they're both valuable. I'd recommend three first, what makes the most sense for you? Um, typically they pick one of the two and then we go on with the rest of it. Or they start um, voicing their objections at this time if they haven't started already. And then that's when you need to get into that. And are we going to open that whole can of worms or what? Yeah, that is a perfect segue into that, which was, yeah, how do you help your trainers overcome objections? What are the common ones and tips to overcome yeah. them? So that kind yeah. of segues perfect into into that. So perfect. I'm sure there's a laundry list of them. <laughs> yeah, there is. But, you know, my 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 general philosophy, the best way to remove objections is to give an awesome tour consult slash assessment. Because if you've just built so much rapport with them that they like you, ask them a bunch of questions and make them a recommendation that totally makes sense and gives them the answers they came in looking for and gave them a service that matches up with that, then most people will just say yes, especially if they've done the work to show up to your gym in the first place. Like if most people were to watch my consultations, they'd, they'd think if they didn't know any better, Donnie just gets all the easy leads because people just walk in and they sign up. But that's mm. because I, I've developed the ability to make a connection with people and make recommendations that make sense. And so the best objection remo removal is to preempt it by having a good tour assessment and recommendation. Now, that's going to cover, realistically, if you get half decent at this, that should cover 70% of people that show up in the personal training environment, probably 40 or 50% in the membership environment. And then the next step, like, so what are the common objections? Uh, the most common one is I need to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this several times and, and I'm sure the solutions out there, uh, but I have my own spin on it. The, the sales 101 solution is to make sure what do you want to think about it or what do you want to think about? Sorry. And I always found that question to be a little bit too on the nose. Um, so what I like to say instead is my own version of it is absolutely you can take time to think about it. This is a big, big decision. But are there any questions I can answer for you now? And what that does, it does the same thing. Because, and the reason is you don't want them to leave the gym without all the useful information. Because sometimes, you know, you try your best and for whatever reason, you, you have an awesome tour in general, but maybe you didn't give an awesome one, didn't give them all the information or they didn't retain it all. Um, and they, they may not know that you have other options than to the two you presented and it's too expensive and they don't want to say it. So the point is, that's the most common objection. I need to think about it. You need to be able to comfortably ask, put your own spin on it, but you need to be able to ask, what are you thinking about? And that's where you'll get, excuse me, the real objections. Yeah. And that's when it starts coming into things like price, time, and, and whatever it ends up being. 
Um, and generally speaking, um, you know, I've heard this before. Every no leads to a yes. It sounds kind of cheesy to me. I mean, how mm -hmm. I approach it is, is, is if everything has gone well up to this point, this person wants to work with me. Now I just need to find out how to do this. And, and if it's money, okay, what can you afford? It is very common for me to ask someone, you know, if they've indicated that that looks expensive or I'm not sure I can pay for this to say, okay, well, what did you have in mind for a monthly budget? Some people might be scared of that question. I'm certainly not at this point because it's totally reasonable to ask in that context. In particular, if you have a connection and you develop rapport. Um, and that's part of the reason to do that too is so you're then able to ask those questions, right? So if you've offered them personal training three times a week, it's probably in the neighborhood of a thousand and twelve hundred bucks a month. Um, they might say, yeah, well, I'm not, just not sure if I'm ready to make that kind of financial commitment. Um, and it's totally reasonable to, and let, if they don't necessarily need three times, to take your foot off the gas and say, okay, well, what is your monthly budget? And then they will give you the framework in order to make your check down pitch. Well, I think I can actually have a budget of 800 bucks a month, or I think I have a budget more around 400 times a month. Okay, great. So what we could do in the case of four times per month is, or $400 per month is train once per week, find you a solution outside of your personal training sessions to still get your additional workouts in. And we've certainly had several clients get great results this way. It requires more responsibility on your end but it definitely fits your monthly budget. Does that make sense for you? Mm. Um, so it's just like, um, I, I know there are uh, other industries and, and other places that will approach the budget question with, with far more pressure and emotion. Um, mm. They will, if they think it's three times, and there's certainly, there's people who need a lot more and you should nudge them. Uh, but definitely like people will cry during my consultations, but I'm not going to make people cry. I'm not going to be like, uh, I don't care that you can't afford it. You need to train three times a week because you're going to die. And I've, I've certainly been at places where they promote using that kind of messages. That, that's not my thing. That's not how we need to do things. Um, and it's so, simply not true. You can certainly change someone's life in a way that they can fit into their budget. Um, and so instead, it's just like, find out what your parameters are. I can't afford it. Okay, what can you afford? What can I do that are, are within those constraints? And then offer them that service. And typically someone who's showing up to a personal training studio has some semblance of what personal training costs. So if you ask them their budget, they will have something in mind. And if you're close to that, even if you're slightly above, you can usually get them to that point. And same thing with, with a, a CrossFit membership or even just a, a gym membership. Like they're going to have an idea, find out what their number is and try and fit them in that number. Um, and then other than, sorry, go ahead, Tony. I was going to say, I like you didn't use the word afford because I feel like that causes like a, a little bit of a, a, a opposition, I suppose. Like if you ask them what they can afford, it's almost like if they if they have to answer that question, it's there. But the way you asked it is like, what did you have in mind? Mm -hmm. And then for the budget side of things, right? Because a budget's a flexible thing. I could be budgeting 300 or 500 or 1,000, but you left it very sort of uh, non um, non-confrontational, I suppose, in that yeah. way. And I think that goes back to one of your first points about the language and the tone that you use, yeah. just little keywords like that I picked up on. I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And then and then I guess the other thing with, with money in particular, you can be creative. Just because they can't afford a thousand bucks a month every month doesn't mean they can't afford it for the first month. Uh, so be flexible, right? Be creative. And, and some of that comes with experience, but, you know, have mm. options, right? Okay. This per so for example, someone has a monthly budget uh, that's relatively modest. Let's say it's three to five hundred bucks, um, but they are brand new to fitness and they are very their movement is very poor. They're like a danger to themselves if they're in the gym. So they need a lot of time with the trainer. 
Um, I, a good middle ground is to pitch them on trying to do that first month, three times a month, a week. It's like, okay, you, you can't, you know, this isn't in your budget regularly. Could you do it for, could we front load your package, train more in the first month? The point mm -hmm. being is I need you to do this properly and safely so that from month number two onward, when we downgrade to once per week, I can trust that when you're outside the gym, you're doing things properly and safely. Totally reasonable way to approach that. Hmm. 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 I like that. <laughs> I like that yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially too, if, if really that's where their budget is and they have to go work to work it on their own, they're going to be more mm -hmm. successful having those like skills front loaded in that in that first month. So I like that one. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, you go ahead, Tony. Oh, I, I was just thinking about the, the membership environment. So it's yeah. So one, one thing that, I, that it does tailor a little bit different there um, and that sometimes it's pretty common to have just like a couple membership options. Um, first of all. Uh, it is it is good in that environment to use time sensitive type sell, sales tools, right? Like, mm. oh, like have a, have promotions, have like, okay, well, if you do this today, I can get you this kind of discount, that kind of thing. Those things are useful. Uh, and, and and the thing that's worth noting in that environment is, um, and I'd say more so than in personal training, is it's very common for someone to show up to a membership gym because they're walking down the street and they saw a sign and they walked in. And they were feeling fat that day. And so they thought I should do this. Or that's why they picked up the phone or that's why they emailed. And that motivation is fleeting. And yeah. so it's in their best interest and yours to get them signed up right away. Mm. Um, and it's usually common in most gyms that you can discount a first month by 50 bucks or give them a free month. Just give them a reason to take a chance. Um, like reassure them that the cancellation, like nothing set in stone. Well, just try it for 10 days. You can always back out. Uh, the point being, you know, because uh, that and that kind of that would be another. I want to think about it. That's really normal in that environment. Like I, I'm not mm -hmm. ready to do this yet. Okay, well, if you do this now, here's what I'm going to do for you in exchange for you doing it now, because I believe in this so much for you. That kind of thing. So, just wanted to make make that point in that context. Awesome. So I think you know that uh, that's a really good picture and um, clarity on how to have a successful like some key things through that. So with all that though, like for a lot of trainers, this is a new skill they're building on it. They hear this, they're going to be like, okay, that's really awesome, but it still sounds scary. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any other tips to kind of building on what you talked about in the beginning in terms of um, someone being confident in front of their clients in terms of like little things they should do to help them in that or things they shouldn't do. Uh, yeah, I think, um, have a simple package that's easy to sell would also be a good tool. Okay. I think, um, you know, whatever it is, if you want to sell, we sell monthly recurring memberships. Uh, if you sell a package of 12 sessions, um, keep things simple. Cause if things get complicated, it's easy to lose people. That's part of why mm -hmm. I do use the A or B. Like we have several options at our gym, but I let narrow it down to two to keep it simple. It's just easy for people to pick one, especially when they trust you. But if you have a bunch of complicated, convoluted options that are, are hard to explain and articulate, it's just easy to lose people with that going on. So keep it simple. Understand what you're what you're doing. And if you are like a new independent trainer, um, have a couple package options. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I, and I said this, I can't remember if I said this in the last podcast, but um, if you're scared of selling to a good habit to, to get into is put yourself in a situation where you only have to do it once. And how you do that in the personal training context is if you have an automatically renewing membership, then you realistically only have to close the sale one time. Whereas if you're selling packages, you have to sell at the end of every package, which works great if you're good at it. But if you're feeling scared of it, 
feel free to steal my Band-Aid and uh, set people up on on automatic uh, renewing memberships for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like the 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 A B or just um, even if you have more options available, but what you mm -hmm. offer somebody, I know. Or two of the independent trainers we've worked with when studying their memberships, they gave me a list. Like, I'm like, you have 47 memberships here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we, yeah. we can totally reduce that one for your own management of your business, but mm -hmm. also for your clients. And that even if you have like five or six or different ones, the, the, mm -hmm. through the process, I really like that AB or only giving to, um, even with us in our group memberships, our email kind of has an overview of like, here's all the things we have as well as like couples and student discounts. And this mm -hmm. is kind of sparking my inspiration already to even like simplify especially reading here's the two main ones and then if you're interested in other ones you know email and you can kind of give more information so um thinking about that both in our real life sales as well as when we send out those emails sometimes of like what packages do you have even in that giving sometimes like less is more kind of thing give them like some key ones and then open that conversation up so um yeah I think, I think it's uh, it's good to have options, but your job as the professional is to narrow those down for people. And uh, three is also good. I like the A or B option. Uh, I've heard if you're if you're offering three, people tend to pick the middle one, so you can go a more too expensive, a perfect, mm -hmm. and a slightly less expensive. Um, but I would strongly recommend to anyone selling anything, try to keep it to two or three options. Mm -hmm. And you touched on it a little bit, but does your philosophy change at all between selling like PT and, and group? classes like is that experience or tour or assessment um does anything change i guess between i guess whether only really yeah. on logistics in terms of what what service you're actually doing but realistically the general concept is the same you still want to make a connection you still want to highlight your facility and what you're selling you would tailor it more to group training i guess in that context you know speak to the value of the class as opposed to the value of the, the workout plan right but that's more just semantics and logistics. You're doing the same general concept and the same philosophy. You know, you're trying to get them to trust you, to like you, make a recommendation that makes sense, give them a solution to the problem that they came to you with. Awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but we we had talked a little bit before this just around, I think across the, in the gym membership, it's pretty common to experience auto renew monthly memberships. Um, you know, me coming from rec fitness background and, you know, a decade and a half in this space, um, had never really heard about auto renew personal training packages until the last couple of years. Um, even one of our independent trainers does like small group personal training. That was kind of a new concept. Um, I think we're just so used to like packages only. And I think we just touched mm -hmm. on a little bit of you know that there's pros and cons i'm sure to everyone whatever one whatever one works better and feels better for that trainer it's both totally doable um but maybe can you speak a little bit to um whether it, trainers currently have packages and they're moving to a, a membership or kind of the the benefits you've seen um with your trainers and your business having auto renew personal training memberships i think it's a kind of a new concept um for some people still yeah, for sure. And, and but to be clear, like I, I do think packages are fine, and there are a lot yeah. of benefits. Which are uh, you get you get the money up front. Usually, it's a nice lump sum of cash. And for myself and for trainers who are good at selling, it's like it's it's certainly a reasonable way to do things. And but why I did it in my business is because so actually maybe. maybe Sorry, Donnie. You know what? Maybe actually, if you could yeah. touch on one point in the packages before we jump into the auto renews, yeah. then I think the thing I've seen with packages is like, oh, the person used their last session. I should probably follow up about booking next time. Like when mm -hmm. someone's selling um, 
packages, what point would you advise your trainers um, to reconnect with them to resell them on their next package? Uh, I would typically advise them on the last session, there should be time devoted to that. But realistically, it's like you're, you're kind of doing it the whole time. You're, you're treating mm-hmm. clients as if fitness is a journey, not a destination, so to speak, right? Cool. It's like it's a long-term thing. And so part of the service you're offering, if you're a trainer, you should always be talking, you know, they should be in on how you're periodizing their program, what you're laying out for them. And those should be long-term setup things, which will make it at least subconsciously part of the conversation that you're planning for the long-term. And, and so the actual sale or that conversation is a quick one. It's more just a for, formality if you've done things properly. That should just, you should only require, you know, 15 minutes or so on that 12th session if you sell a 12th session package, which is like, okay, this is your last session. Um, I know we plan to do X, Y, and Z. Are you good to jump into another one? It could literally be that simple. Um, okay. And then, you know, they may, they may have some objections and you may need to check down to a different service or you need to change, change it somehow. Um, but the point is like how you're structuring your whole program should set up a long-term investment in a way that makes sense. And then that conversation should be a relatively quick one. But then I would say, make sure you have time for that conversation. Cause if you have a, an appointment at noon and you're having this conversation at 1158, you're not setting yourself up for success. Um, because like the gym membership, if someone leaves, having not signed up for that package, there is a good chance that you might not get them back. And then even just from running your own business, you might not get them back for three weeks because you didn't close the sale then. And then that's a lump sum of cash that maybe you need for your own expenses. So make sure you have that conversation. But it it totally worked fine for me just to do it at the last session in that package every time. Perfect. Awesome. That's helpful. Cool. All right. And then jumping into auto renew membership. Yeah. Yeah. And so auto renews are are nice, as I said, because you don't have to do that sale every, every whenever. And, um, and yeah, it's based off, and I've told you guys this before, but to say it again now, it's based off of human psychology. Um, you know, there was a study done on company-sponsored RRSPs. And when they would hire new employees, they would say, do you want to opt into this RRSP? And they had like a 60% yes rate. And then they were wondering, why didn't people want to do this thing? It's like an RRSP matching. It's a good thing. And so they, they flipped it. And they said, you're going to be included on this RRSP matching. And the the uptick uh, went up to 98% or something bonkers like that. The point being that um, if you put people in a situation where they have to opt into something, they're less likely to do it. Whereas if you put them in a situation they have to opt out, um, then they're also less likely to do that too. And so with selling packages, they have to opt in every time that package is coming to an end. And so that, you know, is a problem in a, of itself with human nature. And then if you put on top of that, that selling isn't your strength, you're now compounding that problem. So thinking as a manager of trainers, some are good and some are not as good at selling. I thought, is there any way I can make this easier? Let's just make this auto renew. And it wasn't my idea. I just put it in place in this company. I, like it exists elsewhere. And, and what it is instead is instead of selling like a 12, 24 or 48 session package or 36, which is pretty common in our industry. Mm. is we sell them packages based on their training frequency. Uh, So for example, if someone is training eight times or training twice per week, sorry, we sell them eight sessions at a time every four weeks, and then it renews in four weeks. And then the other thing that does is that adds a financial incentive for them to be committed to getting their workouts in. Because another problem with packages is if they miss a workout, there's no reason for them to make up that workout or stay on track. 
I got a vacation next week. Well, I'm just going to take that week off or I got sick or I can't come in today. I'm not going to come in tomorrow because it's inconvenient. Whereas if you have a payment that's scheduled in four weeks, even if you're lenient about rescheduling uh, payments, postponing payments, there's still that layer of I, I'm supposed to get these workouts in. And it, and it helps from a fitness angle and from the financial angle. And then from running your business, it makes things more predictable. It's, you know, I'm supposed to get a payment and unless someone has told me to cancel and then I know I'm not getting that payment. And if so, if like you're an independent trainer of 10 clients and they're all automatically renewing, you can start to get a more predict predictable level of income. And a lot of people value certainty in this life. So this kind of adds, adds certainty in, in this industry. So that's why we did it. Uh, we do packages generally of four sessions, eight sessions, 12 sessions in a four week billing cycle. And we pick four weeks because if you do a month, uh, months are longer than four weeks, very simple thing, but important detail, uh, mm -hmm. set it up to auto renew. And, uh, it was a huge X factor in, uh, in our business growing to where it's at today. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, definitely. In the beginning, one trainer we had was doing it monthly and very quickly realized, oh, monthly doesn't work for auto renews when it comes to personal yeah. training, having it based to sessions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're seeing commonly billing. We have one trainer does every four weeks. We have one mm -hmm. that does every two weeks. And we have another trainer who mm -hmm. actually bills automatically once a week to just have the payments be smaller. Um, mm -hmm. So whatever your system allows, but basically on a weekly cycle based on how many sessions they train per week is kind of the 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 secret sauce there for that. So um, yeah, that was a lot of really helpful information. So with kind of wrapping all this up, Johnny, and kind of our last question or conversation is, um, you know, you it sounds like you, you do a lot to implement and support your team on building these sales skills kind of ongoing. Um, if you could give some kind of tips for other trainers out there that um, are maybe working on their own as independent trainers and don't have someone like yourself that's mentoring them through their journey, um, any tips or advice on, on building their sales skills or resources or places um, good to kind of learn more about um, some of these philosophies in sales? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing I would say is the inter internet's a beautiful place. And if you're struggling with any skill this day and age, you can certainly start there. Uh, I certainly believe in YouTube for a lot of things. And I can mm. guarantee you there's a plethora of information on how to improve this kind of thing and just general ability, like, because you don't know what you don't know. So if you go looking for it, you'll be able to find things. And that's a good place to start. You find articles. Um, this problem exists with several other people in this industry and in all industries. So if you just go looking, you'll be able to find several information. Uh, several sources of information. I think, you know, if you can't get actual reps and you're an independent trainer, you need to practice on other people. Just do role plays with with friends, with clients. Practice your assessment. Um, practice your consultation. Decent place to start. Um, and then, I don't know, reach out to me. If you don't have a Donnie, you can reach out to me. I'm happy to help people. <laughs> find, find someone who's nearby. Reach out to them. Like, it's yeah. like... You know, if, if, you know, generally people in this industry are happy to help. And so if you know someone who is good, the trainer nearby who's successful, talk to them about what, what they do. Um, you know, there's different ways to skin a cat. My way is not necessarily the best way for everyone. And if you know someone who's doing great, talk to them. Um, and then on top of that, put yourself out there, get experience, get reps. The more you do it, the more self-aware you are while you're doing it, the better you'll get. 
Mm-hmm. And I love that advice of like, reach out to a Donnie or someone like that. I know early in my career, I was like, I want a mentor. And I was like, I went to someone, I was like, I'm going to volunteer you <laughs> to do that for me. I'm looking for, um, he's like, okay. Um, but you know, another independent trainer I was chatting with recently was like, oh, I have a friend and I'm watching them and they're being really successful and they're growing really quickly. I'm like, like, I don't know what they're doing. I'm like, reach out. Like people are generally yeah. open to sharing and that we're all like, if, I, if you're more successful, I'm more successful and we want to kind of share that knowledge. I think that's an important thing mm-hmm. is not to be scared to ask somebody that looks like they're being successful. I'm like, one, the grass isn't greener, always on the other side. Maybe they're going to tell you, actually, I'm really successful, but I'm actually really struggling mm-hmm. in these areas. Or they're going to be like, heck yes, here's these awesome things that you can maybe go take upon yourself and try them out. Um, and kind of building on the fact that you said there's lots of kind of different ways that we will hear tips on how to sell and do those things and pick what kind of fits and resonates. And probably you would agree just like, try it out there's a bit of trial and error as well and depending on your personality of how it how it goes so absolutely cool anything else that you want to share with us with selling donnie oh i think i've chatted enough awesome (laughs) so good thank you awesome tony anything else from yourself no, it was, it was super helpful. I love the little details yeah. and the nuance into that. I'm probably going to go back and kind of re-listen to this and pull out some some goodness. But there was lots of lots of valuable stuff in there. I appreciate it, Tony. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate it. you awesome. saying that. Thanks, guys. Cool. All right, have another great week, everybody. Bye. All right.